Brad and I, by the way, I'm Jeremiah Parks, and this is Brad Baker. Brad Baker. We are going to be so exciting and engaging in here that you won't be able to fall asleep, all right? Not a chance. Deal. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's have a prayer, and then we'll uh, jump in. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing here at this conference. Lord, thank you that you are speaking, you are guiding, you're refreshing, restoring. Lord, I thank you for all of the content that's been shared so far and moments that have been shared with you. And Lord, as we jump into some conversations here about community and what, what community looks like and how we do this in our local church settings, that you would speak to us, Lord. Speak through Brad and I and speak to us as well. We love you. You are awesome. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great. Go ahead. Tell, well, tell us about yourself, Jeremiah well, Parks. Well, I will. Thank you, Brad. Thank you. Um, yeah, just a real quick introduction. I'm Jeremiah Parks. I have lived here in Colorado Springs for 11 years. I came to the Springs uh, to serve here at New Life. For several years, I was on staff in the youth ministry department. And then about three and a half years ago, I left to, to run an organization called HeartWork that started, that was kind of a spinoff out of our student ministry here. Uh, and, and what HeartWork is, is we engage students uh, in orphan projects and poverty-related projects. So we challenge students to spend themselves uh, based on Isaiah 58.10 to help the poor. Uh, and so we started that went full-time into that, and then just recently came back in August uh, here to serve as the pastor of community here at New Life. So I'm brand new at this role, and right now you're thinking, well, why am I in this session? I don't want to come learn from a guy who just started doing this job, but touche. I, I, think, I think that you will. I think you will. And so uh, back here at the church, I love this church. I love Pastor Brady and the leadership, and I'm real happy to be here in this role and one of the reasons I'm so excited to be here at New Life is because of this guy right here, Brad Baker. Yeah, thanks, Jeremiah. Um, just really honored the, that we get a chance to, to spend some time together. Um, just a little bit of background uh, on me. Um, I, bulk of my ministry experience is actually in college ministry, next generation ministry. Um, graduated school and uh, actually was a part of a church plant in Norman, Oklahoma for three years where I did college ministry. And then transitioned out to Saddleback in Southern California, where I was eight years there as college and 20-somethings pastor. And then, um, kind of in an unexpected twist of, you know how God works sometimes? You just don't, don't, don't always see it coming. He surprises us. Um, in July, my wife and I and our four kids, we moved out here to New Life. And uh, my title is Pastor to Young Families and Couples, both with and without kids. And um, I'm a part of the groups and community department that Jeremiah is, uh, is jumping in the middle of. And so we're excited to, to spend some time together and, and uh, see what we can learn and how we can go back to our home, wherever that is, more equipped and more ready to, to serve God's people. So, Right on. Uh, we thought what we'd do, just take a minute here, two minutes to be exact, two minutes, and have you guys... Meet someone that you don't already know. And so I know as soon as you hear that, some of you are going, oh, gosh, come on, don't make me do that. And others of you are chomping at the bit for the opportunity to meet someone. So you've got two minutes. Meet somebody that you don't know. Have a quick conversation, and then we'll jump back in. And this, this is all, this is all there's a method to the madness here, I promise.
just turned 14. Okay, so perfect. So do you, uh, so I think, are you thinking about going in and sharing your story, kind of your, your journey into this position and kind of some of your observations and kind of assessing where we're at? Is that what you're thinking you're going to start with? I do too. I think I think it's going to really hit them. Just think about the average staff member is on staffs in their, in their current role, usually not very long before they either move churches or they transition to a new role. So they're going to really relate to. A lot of them are going to relate to the new. It may be just the like for me not being on staff for a while and sitting down in a crowd as a non-staff. Oh, the respect that that gave. That's powerful. All right, you extroverts, it's time for you to wrap up. You guys, we can tell who the more outgoing people are by how hard we have to work to wrangle you back in. We don't want this to stop, so. So, now that you know both of us are new here, um, and we will not be able to speak to you from our vast wealth of experience in these roles here at New Life Church, but... And even as, here's actually, do you want to know how you ended up, or how we ended up having a, a breakout session here for you to join us in, is um, we were just recently sharing, since we, since we both just started on staff, we were recently sharing with Pastor Brady and some of the executive team here at the church um, a little bit of our vision, a little bit of, after we'd had a few weeks to kick around some ideas we sat down to share some of those, and it was, it was out of that that we were then asked to do a session. And so Pastor Brady himself said, hey, I think that's a good, those are some good ideas that you should share. And so that, that's what you're getting from us today are some ideas. But I'll tell you a little bit about the journey for us. And, and for me, it's been a really exciting one because, as I said earlier, I was in uh, youth ministry here at New Life for several years and then set out to, to, to build uh, Heartwork, the nonprofit and then coming back here on staff recently, I, over the three and a half years that I was not on staff, I had an interesting experience here at, at my home church, So, which has been, uh, it's been unique for me because for most of you, um, imagine, I, I don't know how many of you are actually on staff and how many are volunteer leading and everything like that, but imagine having really no capacity of leadership, so you currently do. Whether it's whether you're volunteering or staff, and then and then having no leadership and being kind of lost in the crowd, and that was my experience over the last three and a half years. I would come into the building and and I didn't have a job, I didn't have a role to fulfill, so I would come in and just sit down and you know participate in the service and leave. And on my way in, I would see people that I knew, and on my way out, I would see people that I knew. But in the middle part, in the actual worshiping part. 
I, my, my wife and I would kind of be sitting alone. And so a- after that happened for several months and we were like, yeah, this is, this is kind of weird. We're just, we're like, we feel disconnected, which is weird. We felt disconnected at, at our own church, um, which I, hold on for a second. Did we even, did we even talk about what this session is, Brad? The community. We, we didn't really say anything about community up top here, did we? So you guys all know that you're coming to the community breakout session. Just, just right? checking. In case you're like, is this guy talking about a nonprofit or is he ta- <laughs> what is he talking about? Um, it, re- really, if you don't, what I started experiencing over those, over those months after I left staff is that I, was, I didn't feel like I was plugged into community. And I started wondering, like, how do I feel about New Life Church when I'm not plugged into community? I love the worship and I love the teaching, but I'm feeling disconnected. So it was really amazing for me to get a different paradigm, a different perspective about what new life looked like. And which I think the premise for us doing this whole session is to say community is so important, right? I mean, if, if you don't have community in the church, do you really have discipleship? Can you really be in a discipleship process if there's no community? I would say no. Because if, if you're just coming into the church and you're hearing, uh, you're participating in worship, corporate worship, that's great, that's awesome, that's a necessary part. You're hearing the word, that's a necessary part. But if there's no community, is there a discipleship process? If we look at Jesus and the disciples and the model there that he used, I think we could all, we could make a case for the fact that you have to have that community dynamic. So I'm sitting in the crowd, not feeling connected, and I just simply started to make a shift. I started to connect with a lot of my friends, and and some being uh, people who were kind of in the same stage of life as my wife and I, where we had little kids, and man, it's hard to get to church. It's hard to go through the child care systems and all that stuff, and it's a lot of work. And so we knew that some some of our friends were not coming as often, and they, they were, it was kind of hit and miss. And we said, guys, what if we started sitting together in church? What if we built a little community of church within the room on a Sunday morning, and we hung out together. And so we started doing that, and it totally changed my church experience. It was phenomenal because I knew then I'm going to come and enjoy worship, and I'm going to enjoy the teaching, but I'm also going to enjoy some people that I really love and care for in this this big crowd uh, on a Sunday morning. And so that started started us down the road there of thinking differently about how we connect. And then I you know, like I said, recently came on staff here for this role of community. Well, the guy who was, is my predecessor, he's actually in this room right now, and I'm not, I'm not even going to point him out because he, he might not want me to do that, but um, he, had, he had started exploring some ideas that he then handed off to me, and it, these ideas correlated so well with the experience that I had over those three and a half years that I was sitting in the crowd and not on staff. And so we want to jump into that a little bit and, uh, and just discuss what that looks like. So I know we're, we're, we're all representing different sizes of congregations, probably several different methods of how we do community and what maybe groups look like, small groups at our churches, small groups, cell groups, community groups, whatever you might call them, study groups. So here's, here's what we started to look at right off the bat. We have in our church a, a, a crowd, right, on a Sunday morning. Whether your crowd be 
200 people or 2,000 people or 10,000 people, we have a crowd. And it seems like for the most part, the way that we say we build community is you need to go from being in this crowd to being in a smaller group. Again, whatever language you might use, but a smaller group of people and connecting there. So it's, it, seems, it seems like it's kind of a big jump, right? Here, here's what happens at our church a couple times a year. We're, on, we're in a Sunday morning, thousands of people in the room, and we say twice a year, maybe three times a year, we say, hey, everybody. And Okay, I realize that what I'm saying right now, it sounds very sarcastic. I'm really not trying to be sarcastic. I'm just saying this is what happens in the room. We say, hey, everyone, get up and go out in the hallway today, and we want you to connect with others. And we're going to have small group leaders out there, and you can go meet them and kind of check them out. They'll have a table, and they'll display that, and you can, you can make some connections there and, and get into a small group because we really believe that you should be in a group. We really believe that you should know others and walk this journey of life with others in discipleship and really sharpen each other. We, we agree and believe in all those things right there. But the part about it that's kind of tricky is get up and go out into the lobby, go out into the hallway and meet total strangers and then go to their house, you know, (laughs) next week. You know, you're going to go sign up for a list, shake hands, ask them a few questions and then go over to their home and and invade their, their personal space and uh, and tell them about your life, you know, and start opening up. It's like, it as as we've been kind of kicking this around, we're realizing is there a more unnatural process? Like, could could we make it any more awkward for people? <laughs> you know, um, and even even as we were saying to you guys a few minutes ago, hey, get up and meet somebody. For for most of you, because you're in leadership, it's that was probably pretty comfortable, right? But there may be, for some of you, if you may be a strong leader, but your personality is introverted, and so you don't really like that kind of interaction, well, I think when we do that to our, to our group, to our church, to our congregation, it just can be awkward. And are we really fostering relationship and community when we force people to go about it in a way that just is unnatural? Um, and so... So we're kicking around the idea here of we've we've shifted a little bit even this department of the church rather than just the title before was groups and now we've changed the title to be community and groups. It includes groups, but how do we build community at the church? Is it is it more than just the close intimate discipleship process when we say community? Does it really mean we're a family on a Sunday morning when we gather and all the way from that, we don't, we don't want to discount that. We're not saying that's not part of discipleship. You're not really a disciple unless you're in a small group, right? We don't want to negate the process for people who are not in a small group. But we're saying Sunday morning is community, but there are also steps in the process of getting over here to the smaller group. I'm really having a hard time talking with – I'm a hand talker. And I feel kind of tied up with what, this one microphone. So we have this over here and then this over here. So there's a, there's a continuum, right? On Sunday morning, if it's a crowd, again, a crowd of 100 or a crowd of 10,000, we want to get you from that crowd over here to being in 
some sort of group setting. That might just mean being more intentional with your close friends. It might mean joining a group with people that you didn't previously know. It might be a, a Bible study or whatever. But how do you get from the group to over here? And I think really that's what we want to focus on in this time. You guys all know like, that small groups are great and that we should all do them, right? So we're not going to talk about what should you discuss in your small group, how do you, uh, you know, the philosophies of what happens in a group. We're going to talk about in this session today, how do we really engage people from the Sunday morning crowd into that space that is, that is sharpening and discipleship for each other. Yeah, it's great. I think it's just an acknowledgement that we need to make as people grow and develop physically, like you, you crawl, then, then you walk, and then you run. And it's, it's that same way in, in our families, in our spiritual families, for a lot of people. They're willing to go only so far in connecting and developing community in their life simply because they don't have the capacity yet. And rather than say, hey, something's wrong with you because you're not over here, whether that over here is a thriving small group in our mind, we come alongside them and say, great, you're here. We, we've made this step for you possible. Um, I, the, I think it visuals a lot. And one of the sort of pictures that we've been kind of noodling on is this idea that we want everybody ultimately, right, to be intimately connected with God and intimately connected with some people in their life, right? It'd be hard to argue that that's not a great goal. But what Jeremiah is saying so, so beautifully is saying, we, we start them over here, let's say they're on an island of isolation, and we say, you got to get to the mainland. And they say, we say jump, or we say swim. Well, I don't swim. I, I can't jump. What are you talking about? Instead of saying, do you see that pebble in front of you, that rock that we've placed there? Why don't you just take a step in that direction? And so they're moving in the right direction. And rather than scold them for not being on the mainland, we simply say, you've made it here. Awesome. Now, and you look for that next place to say, here. And so one of the practical ways that this has played out in various ministry contexts that I've been a part of is create events or create gatherings that have built-in motion steps. What do I mean by that? For us in the college ministry world, uh, we would have a, a weekly gathering of college students, and we would say, hey, we're having this thing afterwards where you can go in this diner, have some nice you know, hot cocoa or whatever, and you can sit around a table with whichever you pick, and here's 10 questions, you may or may not use these, that are related to the message. Why don't you just go, and if you want to discuss, meet some new people, it created motion. So it's sort of like a one-stop shop. Like, they came, and then they were challenged to go, I just have to walk right down that hallway and get food and sit with maybe someone I've already met that night that I, I select. So they go, okay. They sit there, they realize, this is not that scary. This is really kind of interesting. I... I actually got some stuff out of it. And so then they're willing to take a, another step in the direction of being connected in the community and as a result, experience the, the life that God created them to live. Intimately connected with him, intimately connected with others. And so I think it's key, and, and what we're doing literally right now is figuring out what those in-between places will be for us. And so as you think about your context Think about how, how easy or difficult it is for somebody to go from where they currently are, which they've already come to service, right, at some level. We're not necessarily talking about how to get them there, but they're already there. How easy is it for them or how difficult is it for them to take a next step in connecting with other people? 
And then after that, where is that next step? Do you have this process to allow them to develop naturally, much like we would watch a child grow and develop in their you know, ability to, to move around? One of the things that we've talked about is that it's, your perception is reality, right? To some extent, that is true, at least in your own mind. So one of the things we hear at New Life, and, and you can contextualize this for your own church, um, it, whatever this statement might be for us, it's New Life is just too, you can guess the word I'm going to say next, big. It's just too big. Oh, I love the worship there. Oh, I love the teaching. But it's just too big. Okay, so what are they saying? I don't feel like I'm connected when I come there. It's too big. Well, you know, you might not, in a, in a church this size, you don't expect to know everyone in the church, right? If, if you come from a small town of a thousand people, you might expect to, to know everyone in town, right? But if you live here in Colorado Springs, you don't expect to know everyone in the city, um, but that, you, you might still say, I love this city because it's big. It's not too big to me, but you would feel lonely in this city if you didn't have any community at all, right? If you didn't, you're fine with saying, oh, I don't, of course I don't know everyone in Colorado Springs, that's fine, but I know my neighbors, I know the people that live on my street, uh, I'm getting to know them, and so we started thinking through it in that, in that sort of idea, like, if, if the perception is it's too big, how do we change that? How do we help people feel connected um, on a Sunday morning when they're in the room? And if you start to feel like you're connected, even if you're not, okay, again, we want people to get over here into the discipleship process. Uh, Brad, Brad's analogy there of moving along, we want them to move along to that point where, where we can say, all right, you are in a in a situation, in a group, a group of friends, a group of whatever, where you are really sharpening each other and growing in Christ, all right? You've got someone in your face asking you how you're living, and if you're, if, are you really doing this God stuff? Are you really living it out, uh, or are you just sitting in the room on Sunday morning and then you know, living like whatever during the week? So, so we want to move you to that point. But if you don't feel connected in the very beginning, how do I say to somebody who doesn't even feel connected on the Sunday morning, hey, you need to get up and go meet a stranger out in the hallway and go to their house and start sharing dinner with them and open up your heart? That's, that's difficult. But if you start to build connection points right there in the room, then you're moving along the process. So, so one of the ideas that we have been talking through, and it, it's a, these are not our own, our own ideas, but... Uh, th this idea of, of just human interaction, personalities, and how we collide with each other, the idea that there's a public space, right? Uh, right now, we're in, a, we're in a public space setting. We don't all know each other, but we're here for a, for a common reason, this being uh, the, the leadership conference of the church. But then you have social space, kind of moving, moving to a closer dynamic, a, a little bit more of a closer interaction, and then personal space and intimate space. So in, in each one of those, if you're moving from the continuum to kind of being strangers to being in a very close relationship, we want to move people along that, that continuum there. But again, what we often do is we, we pull you from public space, and we want you to go right into intimate space, right? 
So get up, go out in the lobby, meet somebody. However it might work at your church. Uh, that, that's how it has worked here. So what we're talking about doing is figuring out ways that we can create a more welcoming and connective environment on a Sunday morning. I think that you can be in a, in a room full of 100 people. Uh, if, let, let's say on a Sunday morning, that's, that's the, the congregation that you have. I think you can sit in a room of 100 and still feel really disconnected. You can still feel out of place and like you don't belong. So this is not just a big church, small church, medium church, somewhere in between size church issue, right? Uh, it has to do with the way that we interact and create a sense of community in the church. So what, so what we're trying to do is think of ways that we create that sense of community and connectedness and belonging on a Sunday morning and then continuously offering opportunities to get more involved, continuously offering the, the small groups, and then everything else in between. You know, here at New Life, there's, there's men's ministry, there's military ministry, there's women's ministry, there's, there's uh, restoration ministries, that, which is uh, offering like inner healing and counseling and things like that. There's all kinds of different things that we offer here at the church. We want to help people get connected in the room on a Sunday morning. How do you get connected into all those different things that are essentially community? But maybe if I go from, uh, I've just shown up to New Life for the very first time, and I'm sitting in the crowd, and my next step is I end up going to um, a marriage seminar that New Life offers. Now, now I'm moving out of the big public crowd space into maybe, maybe what you could call the social space, where it's a little bit more narrowed, it's a little bit more intentional, I have a little more in common with the people in this room. Uh, at, at this seminar, and then from there, maybe I start getting connected into a group or something, you know, mo moving in that direction. So for us, what we're talking about doing is on Sunday morning, how do we, how do we create that community? It's, we all know that you want to create a welcoming environment, right? It's good to have people at the doors set greeting, and, uh, you know, we like to give out candy here. Give out candy. That candy makes people happy. I smile every time I see the, uh, someone holding a bucket of candy, and I get to go grab a piece. Um, so, so we know there, there are those things, right? It's just understood that you've got to be warm and inviting and welcoming to people. But what, what do we do beyond that? So here's some of the ideas that we're kicking around. For us on a Sunday morning, we have what we call Guest Central, where um, we, we, we say to everyone, this is usually happens right after worship, before the message, and we say, hey, if you're new to New Life, we want to invite you to come out here right after the, right after the meeting, come out here to Guest Central, and we want to meet you, uh, you know, shake your hand, uh, and, and just get connected with you. I, so... People do go to that. It, it, does, it does work. But I always wonder how many people didn't go to that that are new because, again, you're, you're asking me to do something that may be uncomfortable for me or maybe awkward for me to, um, to, to go out into a hallway. I don't know what's back there. <laughs> you know, I don't know what's behind those doors. <laughs> how, do we, how do we create a system that helps connect people right where they are, right where they're sitting, uh, with, without maybe necessarily pointing them out, you know, um, and I'm not bashing any of you if you do this, but hey, raise your hand if you're new, and then we want, you know, so you're drawing attention to the new person, which if I were at your church and I were new for the first time, I would love that, 
raise my hand. Hey, everyone, I'm new. Come talk to me. I, I would love that attention. But for some people, it's like, oh, gosh, don't ask me that. Where can I hide? Um, so, so can we create an environment and a, a system to where everyone who's new is automatically welcome because they're recognized? Not, maybe not from the stage, but from the people sitting in those seats. And so this is what we're talking about doing, creating, um, we, we don't even know what we're going to call it yet. We're still kicking around the ideas, but neighborhoods, sections, basically dividing the larger room up into smaller pieces. And there are some churches that are doing this uh, he, here in the great United States of America that uh, are having some good success with it. And years ago when, when I was here in the youth ministry, we did a similar thing where we, we had... On a, on a Wednesday night, we would have about 600 high school students, and we, we were building small groups and building community within that because uh, it was getting to be large, and like, how do, we, how do we build community here? And so we started dividing the room up. We called them tribes, and each tribe had its own identity and, a, and had their own flag and like sort of, sort of the icon for their group. And within each section, we broke that down and, and made sort of but you're basically creating a, a smaller community within the larger group. So you're taking this large community, dividing it into smaller communities. But it doesn't mean that the, the people in your section or in your area have to become your best friends. It doesn't mean that you sit down and have a personal, deep, intimate conversation right off the bat. But you're creating opportunities and you're giving permission and adding intentionality for people to know each other. So... In this particular section, if you kind of, you give an identity to this, you know, these, you know, your room's divided up however it is naturally divided, and you just add some intentionality to, you know, section three over here, rows one through five, that's kind of a, its own little section. And you have people that pasture that little section right there. So they take ownership in that. This is my section I'm going to love on everybody who's in this section right here, and I'm going to get to know their names. I'm going to welcome them. And, and you build a little team around that. It doesn't just have to be one person, but you've got a few people. So just like you probably all have greeters in your church on a Sunday morning, it's kind of like a greeter but with a more, more intentional focus. And so when someone comes in who's new, I just I already know that because I, I know everyone who's sitting right here in this area. So a new person comes and sits down here. I automatically connect with them, and then from from there, start creating some a little bit of relationship. How how great would it be for you if someone came to your church new for the very first time, and they they had a good experience and they come back the next week, and and by nature, most of us will return to the same spot, right? We're creatures of habit. I've been polling people here at New Life for the last several weeks. I'm just grabbing as many people I, as I can and saying, hey, hey, let me ask you a question real quick. How long have you been coming to New Life? And they might, you know, two years, three years, six months. Okay, do you sit in the same spot when you come? Yeah, yeah, I sit in the same spot every week. Uh, yeah, I, I just came. I started sitting over here, and that's where I've been sitting ever since. 99% of people, that's what they say. So... How wonderful would it be if someone comes to your church for the first time, the next week they come back, and they are called by name in the area that they go sit down in? And again, it doesn't matter if it's a church of 100 or 10,000 people. If you come back and someone says, hey, Joe, 
it's good to see you again. And you're, you're like, what? You, re- you remember my name? That's amazing. Just a little thing like that, again, if perception is reality, I feel like I'm connected here. I feel like this is home for me. Noticed. Seen. Yes. Now, have I been discipled? No. <laughs> but I feel like this is home. And I think that's such a big part of the hurdle. Like, if, if, if you can get someone to feel like this is where I belong, wow, now you've got someone who's on board and connected with you, and now you can move them along the process. So I don't, I'm not trying to oversimplify the solution, but, but it, those little things do matter a lot. Yeah, I've got something to add there. I remember uh, it was like three years ago, I was out with my kids, and we were on the edge of this pond, and we had a, a fishing net that was designed to catch giant fish. And my kids were after the tadpoles, right? So they're there going in, like, Daddy, why can't we catch these tadpoles? I'm like, well, you got, we've got the wrong net. I'm sorry I didn't bring the right net. The openings are too big. And this is so vital that what Jeremiah is saying is you, some of the obvious things that, that we think, oh, yeah, that, that, that's surely happening in our church. Sometimes it's not. And as a result, we have people that slip through. But if we examine the net we're using and saying, we've got to refine this, we've got to make this net more dense and create small, tiny little checkpoints along the way for people that touch points. And on a Sunday morning, it's built into your crowd where people are like, wow, that person remembers my name. This person says hi to me, and they genuinely feel like they care about me. And this person remembered, and to know it, asked about my, you know, my child who had an injury in their soccer game on Saturday. All those things start to add up, and they go, this is, this is my place. And don't we in, 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 inevitably want to create that sense of deep family in our community. And so we do that by not relying on staff um, to do this entirely. I'm sure, sure they're involved. But releasing the lay leadership in our church to say, there are moms and dads and big brothers and big sisters, spiritually speaking, that are ready to go. And if we gave them, say, hey, you're, you're my connector team, right? And we gave them that sense of ownership. Like, this is our family. And we said, your job is just in this environment to make those small connection points with people. That's absolutely huge. And I think we're going to lose a lot fewer people are going to slip through the cracks if we build those kind of things into our, into our weekly gatherings, especially. And instead of a Connect Sunday, right, where we promote groups, that should be icing on the cake, right, instead of the whole cake itself. If, if you and I ever rely completely on a Connection Sunday to build our community, we're missing something, right? Because for a number of reasons that you guys are well aware of. So that should be the absolute, like, we're just putting on the decoration, finishing touch on this cake that we've been building week in, week out, all year long. And put a little fro- blue frosting on there, too. That's my favorite. And I think some of the blue frosting is yeah, good. I, pr- I prefer the, like, cream cheese frosting. Do you? Do you? Ooh, I'm with you. So good. I can, I can, Let's go yeah. have some cake right after this, guys. That's how you build community right there. <laughs> Throw food into it, you know, especially if there's cake involved. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about how, how do we incorporate the things that already naturally happen on a Sunday? How do you, how do you tie that into a system like this? And so we're looking at, uh, we do communion here at New Life just about every week. So, so how do we incorporate communion? Uh, recently, um, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Brady had had folks 
turn and, and share communion with those around them, pray with each other and receive the communion together. And we had already, um, we had already been sharing some of these ideas, and so I, that morning that Pastor Brady did that, it was really, he had to do a lot of kind of coaching and prodding to kind of set it up, you know. Now, hey, you know, kind of, he kind of played it this way, like, I know for some of you guys it's going to be uncomfortable, and so all you for the door. introverts in the room, you're not going to like this, but so he, he set it up for a little while so that it was like, all right, now you're making a really big deal of it, and then that made it really not be a big deal, you know what I mean? A little reverse psychology action, I guess, and so we, we did that, and it was fantastic what was happening in the room. People are praying together. We're ending the service, and, and folks are still just huddled up together praying over one another. And so many wonderful stories came out of that. Well, we were noticing if we had a culture that fostered that sort of relationship, we could do communion. I mean, we could do it, you know, normally how we do it is you walk through to the front, you, you grab the elements, you come back, and then we do like a corporate prayer and you partake. So we'd still probably do it like that. But if we had a structure of what we're describing to you here where, where there are little pockets of community all throughout the room, when we want to take communal communion, it then is very easy to do because it's already built in. Um, you know, I, I told you that I've been polling people. Do you sit in the same spot? And Really, I think about 99% of people have said, yeah, I do. So I've said, okay, do you recognize then the people around you? and Do you know them? And most people, in answer to that question, have said, well, I, could, I know the faces of people, but no, I don't really know their names. I haven't re- didn't really have conversation with them. Isn't that fascinating? But if we gave some intentionality and we created an expectation there that said, engage with each other, and we gave opportunities for that. We said, in your sections, share communion together, and maybe we do that pretty regularly. Or uh, for us, again, I don't know how it works with you, but for us, we have um, altar ministry team that's at the front of the room. At the end of every service, we say, if you want prayer, come up here to our altar ministry team, and we have pastors and leaders here that love to pray with you. What if we did that, but we also set had an opportunity for you to pray with the people in your section because we have leaders that are a part of every section in the room. And so we say, at the end of the service, come up here for prayer if you'd like. Or you can turn right there with your section leaders and, and engage with them. Well, for a lot of people, they don't want to walk up to the front of the room, you know? In some, in some ways, and I think this is silly and everyone should get over it, but sometimes it feels like you're you're kind of displaying to everyone that you have uh, problems or, or, you know, you've seen this happen. It always kind of depends on what the message is, right? If the message is really about like, you know, you need to stop living this, your sinful life and, uh, and then you come up for prayer. It's like, oh, okay, I guess that's me, you know, for whatever you don't, you, some people don't want to do that, but give them the opportunity to engage with, with others who are essentially pastoring them right there in that, in that part of the room. Another thing is, you're, you're doing this teaching series. Um, Pastor Brady just finished teaching through the Beatitudes. I don't remember how many weeks. It was quite a few weeks, right? Um, to be able to offer something to say, hey, we, we have created some simple discussions, kind of like what you were saying earlier you would do with 
uh, after a college meeting to say, um, hey, we've got some discussions based on what we've been talking about here on Sunday mornings. And if you want to get together with those in your section um, and discuss some of these ideas, it, you know, maybe it's a four-part discussion. And, and, and we say, get together for dinner once, uh, you know, once a week over the next four weeks or plan on grabbing lunch right after service um, or come a little bit early before service and have a discussion with the people that you're sitting together in, in service listening to this message. Now go talk about it together. So it's, it's a short-term commitment. You're not saying I'm signing up to be in a small group for the next year. Um, again, the public space all the way over to the intimate space, right? Can we create easier opportunities for people to get to know each other without it just being one or the other? And so there's probably a hundred other great ways to facilitate what we're talking about here, um, to implement other things, you know, communion, the way that you greet visitors, um, the way that you do prayer ministry together. There's probably lots of other things that you can do too. So I would just challenge you guys to think through those ideas, to think, think about what does is, what is the congregation feel like on a Sunday morning for you. And again, regardless of the size, you do, you do on Sunday morning have a crowd. And you want people to get into groups where they are really able to open up and share what's going on in their life and discuss deeper things or to really wrestle with scriptures and different uh, just theological ideas. How do you build that bridge from the crowd to the smaller gathering? Anything else, Brad, that you have before we open it up? We, yeah, we want to take a few up. minutes for questions. Yeah, so, so again, I, this is probably, I would say, that this, this is probably the most unique breakout session here at, at this conference because <laughs> instead of saying, hey, here's how we do it, and, uh, you know, take this back home and try it out, we're saying this is what we think could work. Uh, we think this, this could be good, and we've been evaluating the way our systems work and, and what we think we need to change. So, and we've got about nine more minutes here. We'd like to open it up to you guys for questions or comments, or if, if you say, if you want to share something that your church has been doing that you think what might be good for everybody else to hear, or if you want to say, hey, here's why I think your idea is really awful. No, don't do that, please. That would I don't take criticism very well. I might start crying. <laughs> Tell me privately afterwards. <laughs> uh, but I can just run around with this mic. If anyone has a question or a comment, I'll run to you, um, and you can share with the rest of us. Or Brad can yes. tell funny stories. Right here. Donnie, what you got, brother? This is more in relation to the small group, community group kind of icing issue that you're talking about. Um, but how do, how do you deal with the issue of established groups growing to a size where they're no, no longer a small group yep. and dividing and not wanting to do that versus starting new groups and that balance yeah. between? Yeah, I, I, I love that. It's a great question. One of the things that I honestly, I don't know how much this is in place here yet, but I think if, if it's not what, what, I would, what I'd hope we could build in is this idea that when you launch a small group, that you have a co-leader. And you tell that co-leader, I don't know what God's up to, going to do through our group, but should there be a point where um, this group grows beyond the capacity to where we can actually share, 
you know, would you be, would you be praying and thinking about, you know, splitting, or you can come together for a part of the group and then subgroup in the same location. So you might come together, do an opening prayer, read some scripture together, whatever your group's normal MO is, and then say, okay, now we're going to break off, and group A is going to go in the back, you know, on, on the patio, um, and group, this other group, you know, it's part of this group. And so you, you maintain a lot of the connections, but you also honor that smaller space because you and I know when a group gets beyond a certain number, you, you lose the ability to share much because there's just too many voices. And so that's one way that you could potentially do that. I don't know what Jerry would well, have. Well, I, I think that's been a, sort of an age-old question. You know, what do you do? And, it, and you guys remember, and, you, and some of you may even still use this, that like multiplication of 12, you know, a group grows to 12, it splits and it splits and it splits. It's kind of like, a, you know, a multi-level mar- network <laughs> marketing program, you know, like grows and splits and splits. And sometimes it's really difficult for people because they've built this little community and then you're just going to like sort of arbitrarily force me to split. Uh, what I would offer is the idea that, again, thinking, thinking of all of these touch points as a continuum of community and connection. So Sunday morning is building community. Small group is building community, but also the other things in between. So maybe if a group grows, I remember years ago in the youth ministry, we had a group that we started. It started with like five and it grew to be a hundred people, hundred students, but they loved that group. And we, we had this many conversations about, okay, what do we do with this group that's kind of become a monster a great monster, a monster that we love, but what are we going to do with it? Will we kill it if we cut it up into pieces? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe. And so I think it, it, you got to take it case by case, but I think just kind of slapping a, uh, mm-hmm. you know, here's the way that this is going to work here can be difficult because yeah. you're dealing with different personalities and people all through there. So, so just to say, hey, when a group grows to this point, it has to split um, you, you might say this group started as a few, and now it's a really large group, and so it just kind of fits into a different category now. This isn't when we say small group. This isn't what we mean. You know, sixty people is not a small group. You're not really ever going to be o- open up. But this group of sixty now is really beautiful and fantastic, and we want to let's let that thing keep growing. Let's nurture it and celebrate it and say this is good. But maybe you should also consider. It could be just like Brad saying where you have that gathering of 60, but then you break up into smaller, where you can have that intimate discussion, or that spins off into something else as well, you know? Yeah, I really like taking it case by case and being sensitive to what the Lord is doing. You know, I was in a group, um, a couples group, and it started to really grow, and um, what we decided to do was the men and the women started to meet separately, and then we would have one big kind of family, All we bring the kids in once a month. And so it was kind of the best of both worlds. We still all stayed together in a way, but we, we honored some, some smaller environments. So, What other questions do you guys have? A great question. Oh, in the back. Oh, there's two over there. Run, who was, run. Who was first? Okay, I'll run back there. I'll be right back. I love that idea of, like, sectioning off the congregation, but we get some feedback in our congregation of people being clicky, and not reaching out to other groups, and because our congregation's about 200 on a Saturday night, so it's like, what do you do with that? Yeah. So 
the sections, if you're already kind of doing that, separating them in. Oh, no, okay. So you've got junior high and high school happening all over again on a Saturday night in the room, right? So people feeling left out. Are these, are these adults? Okay. No, oh, I, yeah. I, I said, no. That's, no, I'm just, I'm just Raise your hand yeah, if you've yeah. ever felt like your church yeah. is full of junior high students. Yeah. Huh? yeah. I, 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 I have some thoughts on this. Um, I, I've, I've, it kind of, this might surprise you. Uh, I don't think uh, click... Sometimes when you see cliques forming, it, it can also be really good community happening. And so you, you, you want to be quick. Just because someone else in your congregation labels it as a clique or exclusive doesn't mean that it is. That person could just want to be breaking into the community that they haven't really invested in at all. And so you got to be careful to, to make assessment on your own. And I think what people say when they say it feels cliquish is they're saying, I don't feel like I... I have a place, or I feel like there's barriers in, in this room that I can't go over to that direction. And so there could be legitimate problems that need to be addressed, but it could also be some healthy things happening that other people don't know how to handle. And so you really got to make an accurate assessment. Um, this happened in, in the college ministry as a part of that, a lot of that people coming back. And so what we did is we did a whole four-week series on what does it mean to be a radically inclusive community and at the same time develop deeper friendships with individual people. We talked about the nuances, the social dynamics of why people feel left out and when. And how, what are we supposed to be as the family of God? And the other thing I would say is we would talk directly to our leaders and say, hey, when you guys, those of you who are, are part of our, our volunteer lay leadership team, make sure that you spend the majority of your time in the large group gathering talking to people that you don't currently know. And it's okay to tell your friends that you, you have a relationship with 20 years ago, hey, I, can we talk afterwards? Sunday mornings, my focus is kind of on these people that might feel on the outside. So you intentionally have those people that are constantly reaching beyond what's comfortable, what they've known. And that usually, that for, at least for us, I'm not saying that's the silver bullet for you, but for us, it really started to break up, break up those walls that were unhealthy and yet retain those parameters in friendships that were, were right. So I don't know what else... I, I think for us, too, like one of the things we've kicked around is saying, what if we had areas in the room that we said, hey, if you're a young married couple, over here in this side of the room, we're inviting you to, to come hang out over here. And so really increasing the chances that you might meet another young married couple that's in the same stage of life that you're in. So we're interested in doing that, but we want to be careful with that, that we don't overdo it, you know, so we're really dividing the room up, and instead of having this beautiful multi-generational uh, little section of people that we're encouraging to hang out together, we instead create a bunch of cliques all the way around the room, and so f for us, what we're really saying is we just want to overlay a system, a structure onto the room, but sit where where you're already sitting, but we just want to add intentionality. And so it's not necessarily like saying, go sit with all the people that you like the best and, and hang out with them. But we're saying, for whatever reason, you ended up sitting where you do sit, you landed where you landed, and we just want to help you get to know the people that are around you. But even beyond that, you know, when you, you get into a small group, that might 
That doesn't have to have anything to do with who you're sitting with during the Sunday meeting or Saturday night meeting or whatever. That could be a totally separate thing. Or the marriage seminar or whatever event that you do that's helping to build community also may have no correlation at all with this larger gathering idea that we're talking about. Okay, we got a question back there. Oh, right, we here, had a here. question yeah. here. Sort of started to touch on this, but from a practical standpoint of the same idea of breaking up the rooms, how do you anticipate communicating that to the people? And, and the same thing with choosing the leaders. How does that look? I mean, is it something you talk about during the service? Do you start kind of a grassroots movement? What is the plan? That is an excellent question. Do you want you want to come help us figure it out? Because we'd, yeah. we'd love to bring you. Those are the things that we've been that we've been talking about. I th I think. For us, it'll be, a, it'll be a combination of the things you just said. We've, we've used that word grassroots a lot, building a, a grassroots movement across, across the room for us. But then also I think we need, we need communication from the stage, from, from, from our pastor, Brady. We, we need him to endorse it and say this is good. I think that leadership really matters so much. And, and for the senior pastor to say, Hey, here's something new that we're gonna start doing, and and whether whether that like launches on one specific day or it's you're just gonna you're gonna start to see this. But I just want to make you aware that this is something that will start kind of popping up here in the room. So that may be a combination of leading it from the stage and grassroots. Um, for us, we're looking at okay, this is gonna take a lot of leaders to really make this happen. But here's, here's what makes me excited about it. I think this could be one of the most exciting roles for, for people in your church to serve in yeah. because it's really a fantastic job. Um, to, not to knock on the greeters, but if someone who's a greeter at the door, um, you, you, want, you, know, you pick the people who are bubbly and, and are very welcoming to do that role. But that greeter, you know, every, everyone who's walking in, it's just they get what, two seconds with them, right? Hi, or maybe you're the person that holds the candy or you're passing out the, the bulletin or the notes or whatever it is. But, and those are good, that's an important role. It helps to create a welcoming environment. But, but that's just a real quick, hi, hi, glad you're here, hi. This person in this section leader idea really gets to have, have some ownership of this smaller group of people your role is just to make these people feel welcome and love on them, connect with them, see how they're doing. If they don't show up, you actually noticed that they didn't show up. I don't know how many of you as pastors maybe look around the room on a Sunday and you're like, oh, I wonder where Susie and Joe are at, and I wonder where, and you're thinking about that. But this actually gives you a team of people who are really aware of that and, and are taking care. And how fantastic, if you don't, if someone in your church doesn't show up for a week or two or three, they get a phone call. Hey, where, you, where have you been? Are you okay? Is everything good? And, oh, yeah, we've just been on vacation. Or, better yet, you already knew that those people were going on vacation because they're in relationship with these leaders. So, am I rabbit trailing or did I answer your question? Hey. A little of both. I love it. Um, vision without implementation is hallucination, right? And so... We're, we're very, Jerry and I are very aware of that, right? We've got this vision, and we've got, we, now we've got to implement it and communicate it, and we're, we're, we're wrestling with that right now. And I think some of the things that Jeremiah has just so wisely emphasized is because we want this to involve the larger church as far as staff and key volunteers, 
we want to spend a lot of time talking to the, those that are going to help us implement and say, what do you think? Speak into this. Help us. Work with us. What's your feedback? What's your input? So when we're talking about infusing something that's more, what's the word, uh, in, intrinsic to the community, what's the word I'm looking for? We've been using it. Um, viral, if you will. We, we want to take a lot of time to layer in something that detailed. And so part of the implementation that we're going to go through process is we're going to give ourselves the amount of time we need to make this change, and it's going to be very heavily relationally built. And a lot of voices are going to speak into it. A lot of times for me, I would come home from a conference and want to rush to implement something new, and everyone was like, what are you doing? And I didn't honor the process that I maybe had three or four weeks or three or four months to go through. I didn't honor that with them. And so we're in that process of going, we're kind of new, we're negotiating. And so um, I'm trying to think of what your original question was, but I, it tied to this somehow. Um, well, it was, do you do it grassroots? Do you do oh, how, yeah, how stage? are we going to do it? So, yeah. How do you, how do yes, you get leaders? The, on, on your question about leaders, that's another thing I thought of, is we are, we, we'll, be, we'll be building a team, a really large team for this, um, of folks who have what I think would be a very exciting job just to get to know the people in this area and, and connect with them regularly. And we'll have several people that are over every section. So it's not just one person. So it's a team effort. But then also small group leaders will naturally be connected into this. So a small group leader may also be a section leader or a section leader may only be a section leader and doesn't have to also be a small group leader. So does that make sense? So if I'm a small group leader, I probably would love to be one of these section leaders because now every week I'm going to have some great intentionality in getting to know some people in this little area right here. And out of that, I can help get them connected, maybe into my small group, or maybe there's a different group that I, I think they should get connected to. And so you start creating this network that's real natural, that is organic, but it truly is a network. And I... I, or I realize that as I get to know this person, like, you know, th this guy here has recently been through a divorce. And, and so I might suggest, hey, you should check out the restoration ministries here at the church. Uh, they have a fantastic weekend program to, to just walk through some healing. I really think that would be good for you. So you see, you start, you start to, you empower these leaders to help get people connected, not only into small group, but in all the different all things that build community, you know, at, at your church. We had one question. I think this will be our last question back here, and then we will, we will wrap it up. Just more of an observation when you go to do these groups, because everything's programmed out on Sunday mornings. For time issues, you get people in small groups like that. I'm already thinking about our church, thinking, you know, some people are very introverted, won't talk. Others will talk and talk. And can, and, or you say, how are you doing? And then they'll throw up on you. And so you're all of a sudden in a counseling session in the middle of the, uh, the pastor saying, okay, my first point is. And so trying, you know, logistically trying to figure that out, how to section it where it's more than just greeting one another, but it actually becomes community, but it doesn't, doesn't take away from the corporate as well. I didn't know if you guys had thought about that. One of the things that we've talked about is we, we usually, like right after worship, we'll say, you know, our, whoever's leading worship that day, we'll say, hey, everybody, we're glad you're here, and 
Now, now turn and, and say hi to 10 people, you know, give 10 hugs or whatever, you know, we pro- probably we all do that, right? And then we give about five seconds for you to do that. <laughs> so it almost becomes, it's like, uh, it's almost so surface level, right? That you're not even really, it's almost obligatory instead of really asking how are you doing. So, so we, we talked about maybe actually creating a, a little countdown right there in that portion, and we put it up on the screen, and we say, hey, you've got three minutes. Go have one meaningful conversation. You know, instead of trying to say hi to ten people, have, have one conversation. And I know I, every lady in here just went, well, three minutes. I can't. I've just barely, sa- I barely said hello in three minutes. But it's something. And I think you, you make a great point, Dave. I mean, if you have, if it's like I just got into this really deep, yeah, I'm throwing up on you, um, that stuff, I, for us, I think we're, talk, we're talking about putting some time restraints there, so it happens before service, and then you kind of, you break that up, because now worship is starting, and if you're still chit-chatting, then great, uh, and then we maybe do something in the middle, and then at the end, you know, talk all you want, so that's for us, I mean, that's it may work differently for you. Jerry, I have, I have kind of some closing thoughts, that'd be okay, Go I, mean, ahead. I don't know if you've got some initials, be really quick, um, Think about when you have someone over to the house. Is there not great intentionality, even in homes that are, are, are less Martha Stewart-esque? They come in the door. They are, they are welcomed. They are greeted, handshake, hug. They may take off their shoes. You may offer them something, take their purse, their coat at the door. They, you have different spaces that, that, that they move through. They, they, they share a meal together. And, and we never think of that as, oh, that, that's, that's not organic, or that's, that's not um, authentic. Um, we, we go, no, this is the way you just create that sense of connection and you show value to people. It, it should be the same way when we think about our spiritual families. We need to think not like CEOs as church leaders, but like moms and dads and brothers and sisters. So you go, Who, who's, the company is coming, Right? And so not that, not that we have to put on this glossy show and make everything perfect, but we say, what do we want to communicate about the heart of God to the people that come to our church? And so that's what the, is driving all of this, is the Father heart of God. No one goes unnoticed. No hair on the head is left uncounted, right? No word or thought com- comes out or in without the Father knowing it in advance. He's so attentive. And so when we show that kind of family care to people, they go, what is going on here? And so when we talk about layering this in, there was at one point I was like, man, this just, are we kind of laying this plastic structure over what we hope would just happen naturally? And I go, no, 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 no. We're making a bold expression of the Father heart of God to the people that come to this church. And so if you're looking, let that drive you. God notices, right? He notices the one walks away. He notices, he sees. And our, our, our people, when they leave, regardless if it's their first time or their 30th time, they, they should feel that, that sense. The Father sees me. He knows me. He loves me. He wants me to grow and develop. And this place, this context, these people, the people of God reflect that in every possible way. And they work really hard to make that possible. So I just want to encourage you guys. We're... We've loved our time with you guys. Thanks for letting us sort of open up our workshop to you that's very much in process, and you guys asked great questions, and um, we're praying for you guys as you journey through the rest of the conference that it's a rich, 
refreshing, meaningful time for you on all kinds of levels. So, and we'll st we'll stick around if anybody if you want to come up and have any further dialogue, please do. But thank you for coming. Thanks for hanging out with us. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Three thirty next all. workshop begins. Three yeah. thirty. Okay.